from Zamo Digital, welcome to the SaaS Marketing Superstars Podcast with your host, Aaron Sikowski. This is the show where we uncover proven growth strategies from CMOs and marketing leaders behind some of the fastest growing SaaS companies. Hey, superstars. Thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Aaron Zakowski, and today I'm chatting with James Winter. Uh, James is the VP of Marketing at Brandfolder, a leading digital asset management platform that helps companies manage, distribute, and analyze their digital assets. Before working at Brandfolder, James was director of marketing for the influencer marketing platform, Aspire IQ. How are you doing, James? Doing well. How about yourself, Aaron? Fantastic. Super excited to have you here. So as we get started now, um, would love to hear a little bit more about you and Brandfolder, how much you want to share with our audience, just to kind of understand, you know, your product, your audience, your background, any more that you'd love to share. It'd be great. Sure thing. So I've been the VP of marketing at Brandfolder for a little over a year and a half now. Time has absolutely flown by, but it's been a good time along the way. And I was brought in, Brandfolder had a great product, a great sales team, a lot of really good things happening, but they hadn't really executed on a full-blown marketing strategy. So they brought me in to build out the team and really establish you know, a B2B SaaS best practice marketing team from the ground up, which was a super exciting opportunity. So since then, we've grown from zero to about 10 people on the marketing team and really executing on all of the typical B2B SaaS activities, content, digital advertising events, community, uh, sales development. And I think we've done a really good job of building a pretty awesome team. Fantastic. Can you tell us a bit more, I guess, just so the, the audience understands the product shortly and, and kind of who's your target customer that you're going after? in terms of you know small businesses, mid-market enterprise, et cetera? Sure. So Brandfolder is a digital asset management platform. And the easiest way I can describe it for people that don't know is it's, it's sort of like cloud storage, like Google Drive or Dropbox on steroids. Uh, a lot of our customers come to us from Dropbox or Google Drive because they've had this issue of needing somewhere to house all of their digital assets, whether that's photos, videos, PDFs, PowerPoints, even more obscure things like 3D files or 360 degree viewer images. And they need a, a place to centralize all of that so that everyone who needs access to all of those can get it pretty easily. And unfortunately, a lot of times cloud storage just falls short there. So they turn to DAMS, digital asset management platforms, to have that central source of truth that's easily accessible. So we sell to, honestly, just about every industry and company size you can think of. Everyone from five-person companies up to the largest retail company in the entire world. And you know, we still, we, we get a lot of customers in the manufacturing industry. So people who make some sort of physical good because they oftentimes have you know, a bunch of different product SKUs. And each of those product SKUs has you know, if it's a clothing brand like lifestyle imagery and the product photography and video assets that are related to it, and they need a way to organize all of those more easily. But we also do a lot of business with SaaS companies and other technology companies. So it kind of ranges all over the place. Okay, great. So now that we have a little bit of a background about the company, your, your audience, all that kind of stuff. Um, I'd love for you to share with us kind of some of the strategies, kind of what's worked for you guys. So kind of, you know, think about the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule. I assume that applies to most companies, and I'm assuming Brandfolder is no different. Where is your number one channel or strategy for, for generating new sales qualified leads and their customers? Yeah, so it's shifted a little bit. 
And I think as with all things, the answer today might not be the answer. It wasn't the answer a year ago and it might not be the answer next year. So when I came in, there was a few things happening. There had been various marketers in different roles over the years. So like we had a really awesome content person long before I joined, who's now a managing editor at HubSpot. And she had done a good job of building up some blog posts. We had some people managing digital spend, but it wasn't super cohesive. So we actually had a decent inbound funnel that was working when I came in and, and we continued to build off of that. There was a lot of SEO enhancements we made to the site. So we've been able to go from basically the bottom of the second page of Google to the first page, which has been awesome. Events became a, a really good channel for us. And you know, getting the inbound demand is one thing, but the most important thing that I saw was when the investors are asking, okay, if we want to put this much money in, what can we expect from results? Inbound can only take you so far and you just don't have as much control over the type of companies that you're acquiring. Luckily, our churn numbers are pretty low, so it doesn't really matter a ton who we bring in. Like, It's pretty cheap for us to onboard uh, retain customers, which is definitely not the case for every business. So we're very fortunate. But we've grown a lot from the digital marketing side. When we look at a few of the key metrics for growth for us, like the cost per qualified dollar of pipeline or cost per close one, the two biggest drivers of growth over the last year and a half have been digital advertising and uh, our SDR outbound program. Okay. So it sounds like those two, it's the digital advertising and the SDR program are your two big winners. Yeah. But it sounds like you've tried a lot of things over there. Yeah. You know, when I came in, I sat everyone down and like told the leadership team, look, there's no magic bullets. We're not just going to like turn on LinkedIn ads or Facebook ads or Google ads, and it's going to suddenly start doing better. The way that we're going to win and be successful is with incremental improvement. Mm -hmm. And to do that, we need to have a solid testing and optimization framework so that we're going to try Pinterest ads, even though we know it might not work, but it's fairly cheap. There's a good opportunity there. If we're doing it, no one else is because we're the first ones there. Yeah, that makes sense. Tell us a little bit about the the, the process, I guess, more on, I guess, the, the paid advertising or the inbound free trial, demo requests, kind of how does that look when someone hits your site? Like what, what's the funnel and process you're trying to get them through? Yeah, so we, we optimize everything around demo requests. So uh, because our product can be fairly complex in the sense that there's a lot of different functionality, it's not something that people can just go to our website to buy. And our average contract value is in the multiple tens of thousands. So it's not something that people are just going to click a button and purchase. We've been very fortunate, obviously, with, with your help, that some of these digital strategies have been successful at driving demo requests. And it's honestly only more recently that we've started to move up funnel with some of our acquisition to start to promote content and stuff like that because we've been so successful actually getting cold demo requests from a first touch standpoint. In terms of promoting content or, or just sending people straight to a landing page asking them to request a demo? Well, so we, we've only recently started promoting content with paid spend, <laughs> um, but almost all the paid spend prior to that has been driving demo requests. And that's always the main goal. Like the marketing team here is gold around qualified pipeline for the sales team. So we don't, we don't really track leads like we do obviously as a leading indicator and just to have visibility into the full funnel, but we don't really report on those to anyone outside of like basically my demand gen guy and my marketing ops gal, the three of us look at it and basically no one else looks at leads. Got it. Makes sense. Super. And and in terms of the, those processes, leading question, how, how much of that is uh, outsourced versus in, in 
uh, in-house that you kind of do the marketing in terms of the the paid and the obviously the SDRs, I guess, are an in-house team you got over there with the sales. Yeah. So we've outsourced all of our, for lack of a better term, I'll call it media buying. So mm-hmm. obviously we work with you on the paid social side. Um, we have another agency for the SEO and um, Google advertising side of things. and, yep. and So the SDRs are mostly in-house, but we actually have experimented with outsourcing some of that as well. Okay. I think it works okay to outsource it, but I would say the preference is, is keeping it in-house because they learn the product and the customer over time. And it's also a good feeder for your lower level sales reps. Got it. Makes sense. Great. Can you share with us, I know you said you've tested a lot of things, some strategies or organ channels that you, you've tried in the past that you just really thought would be a winner that just didn't work and, and where you were really a little surprised. Yeah. I mean, the biggest one that has just blown us away is paid social on Facebook and Instagram for, for brand folder. I got a lot of grief early last year because I chose when we were still proving ourselves and like the company, you know, we raised our series a, a while ago. And so we're not just blowing money left and right. We're a very capital efficient business. So while I was proving out the revenue generation side of things from the marketing standpoint, I made the bet to, instead of going first to LinkedIn, which I think is what most B2B SaaS companies do, instead to take that money and put it towards Facebook and Instagram. I hear so many companies that say, like I talk to people probably once every couple of weeks because they know I've been successful with it, who say, oh, we tried Facebook or Instagram ads and it just didn't work. It's because they just had the wrong approach for a number of different reasons, which we can get into if you want. But that was the biggest one that like has continued to just blow us away with how cheap it is, how cheap and fast it is to acquire new customers. Uh-huh. And you've been getting qualified leads and sales qualified leads and opportunities there as well. Yeah. Yeah. At first it was mostly SMB, but over time we've been able to hone in a little bit more and generate enterprise opportunities as well. And, and you mentioned that, you know, you would have assumed LinkedIn would be better. Did you test LinkedIn? Is that something that you, that you tried to make work? Well, I assumed, I, I wouldn't say I assumed LinkedIn would be better. I, I think most B2B SaaS marketers would assume LinkedIn would be better. Got it. I knew that LinkedIn was going to be really expensive and I wanted quick wins. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know if the cost per qualified opportunity or cost per pipeline generated from LinkedIn would be enough to really like make an impact in a short period of time. And, and that's why I wanted to make that strategic bet to go with Facebook and Instagram first. Makes sense. I think there's also like, we're pretty fortunate that I think our buyers do spend some time on LinkedIn, but there's a lot of industries where they probably don't. And everyone is on either Facebook or Instagram for the most part. So I think Instagram in particular, like our demographics for our buyers, not always, but it tends to be like 20 to 40, somewhere in that range. Those people are all in one of the two. The SaaS Marketing Superstars podcast is brought to you by Zamo Digital Marketing, your go-to Facebook ads agency for scaling SaaS companies. The team at Zamo Digital are the experts in growing and scaling trial and demo signups for leading SaaS companies like Envision, DigitalOcean, Lessonly, and many more. Download our free SaaS scaling framework over at zamodigital.com slash framework. And now back to the show. Right. That's true. I mean, if you think about it, most people are on Instagram, Facebook. I guess the challenge there sometimes is being able to identify those people within cold audiences and prospecting side of things. And that's where sometimes LinkedIn can, can do a better job by identifying you know, totally. the, uh, the bigger companies and, and the buyer personas. Yeah. I think the other thing which 
which is beneficial is if you think about who you're competing against for inventory on Facebook and Instagram, it's generally people whose average product is like 50 to 100 bucks. Maybe. Obviously, there's that's not always the case, but you know, it tends to be more impulse buys. So the unit economics for them, their and the way that Facebook's bidding algorithm works, like they will pay up to a certain amount, which is a value, like a valuable customer for them. And we can pay up to so much more because if we do make a sale from, you know, one out of a thousand people that click on the ad, that's still super, super ROI positive for us. It's a great point. Let me ask you, if if you needed a new acquisition channel tomorrow, what would be the next thing on your plate to try? Good question. I think we'd probably get into some more vertical specific distribution channels. So whether it's like sponsored webinars with manufacturing specific publications or maybe like news sponsored newsletters in those same areas, like I think that's probably the big one. And that's that's the answer for like COVID times. I think if the world were still normal, it would probably be go a little bit heavier into vertical specific events. So or still vertical specific, just publications versus versus events. Yeah. Okay. And and you mentioned you guys are really heavy on testing. Can, can you describe a little bit testing process and I guess what you're looking for when you test a new channel or vertical or strategy? Yeah. So I lived in San Francisco for five years and one of the best things about living there, I'm in Denver now, was the ability to meet really smart people in tech and like related industries on a daily basis. And a good friend of mine used to work at Optimizely and he was essentially their, their like lead optimization consultant. So his job was to go in and implement test and learn processes for large companies. He also like wrote the book on optimization for all their agencies. So he's like deep in that space. And I had him do a workshop with us to basically take us through testing and optimization 101 and help us establish a process for you know building that competency into the team and the organization. One of the things that was really interesting to me about testing here at Brandfolder is that there's a lot of variability in our buyers by industry, by company size. And so our messaging matrix in order to be successful has to be much more complex than at Aspire IQ where I worked before because we were selling almost entirely to like B2C brands social media managers who worked in like fashion, retail, beauty, like not a, not like a super diverse audience. Whereas with Brandfolder, you're talking to like commercial light bulb manufacturers and then the largest retailers and grocery stores and like city, county, government stuff. So it's all over the place. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting about testing as an opportunity here was to really hone in on that messaging in a data-driven way. But ultimately, the goal is still to drive leads and turn those into opportunities. So the process was basically we took a data break, like this is sort of how we go about it. Take a data brainstorm, everyone wrote down ideas, came up with a bunch of hypotheses that ranged from, okay, for ads, is it better to show like a pain point message or a benefits message or talk about a specific feature or talk about the benefit of that feature or show product photography in the ad itself or show like, you know, stock photo Uh or lots of different things. And then we came up with a metrics, a matrix to test each of those and be able to track how each of them performed. Mm -hmm. And we, we always start with the two things like that are generally widest apart so that we can get directional data on which of those to dive more into. And then, you know, paid social is one of the biggest channels for testing. So we 
try to deploy those ads and see how they perform and then report back with that spreadsheet of how. In terms of the metrics that you're looking for for judging success or failure in these campaigns? Combination of directional top of funnel data, so engagement metrics, for example, but also with small sample sizes like we're dealing with here and in B2B SaaS when you have like a high average contract value and like a 60 to 90 day sales cycle, you close so few deals that you never are going to get like the volume of opportunities or leads to have statistical significance for all that many tests. So we look at the directional data and then we look at it a few months down the road to see if that propagated through the funnel like we would have expected. A good example of that that isn't advertising related is like testing on the homepage. So, you know, if we get so many tens of thousands of uniques a month, you can really only run like one test uh, with a typical SaaS conversion rate to at, at a time because otherwise like you're just not, it's going to take forever for that test to run. Yep. So we tested our new homepage headliner on the old. So we, we redid our homepage a few months ago. Before we completely redid it, I tested out the new headline that we have currently uh, just to see if we would get a lift from it. And we did. We, we got a huge lift from it, which was great. So that gave us the confidence to go ahead with the full homepage revamp. You know, in my community, I have a lot of people who are kind of much earlier stage in, in their, their SaaS journey than, than Brandfolder is today. If you had some advice for somebody that was kind of start, getting started, kind of, you know, beta launch stage of, of, of a new SaaS company, what would be your advice for them in terms of getting started with acquiring their first, you know, 100 or 1,000, you know, customers for their business? What would be the advice, advice be and, and what channels would you think most people should be paying the most attention to? I think the advice, and it kind of depends on how early, but invest in marketing operations as early as possible. Because if you don't have the ability to do good attribution and, and track performance really well and understand where your business is coming from, you're never going to be able to like double down on it. Essentially, in the early days of any company, the goal should be, and this is assuming you already have some customers, the goal should be like test a bunch of stuff, find out what works, and then go all in on that until you have enough breathing room to test other stuff. You can't do that until you have good attribution in place or you, you have a good understanding of like the lead flow and what your main lead sources are and stuff like that. So that's the thing that I think most early stage startups really don't invest in enough. In terms of channels, you know, depending on how early, it really depends on the size of the company. Like if you're selling something that if you're selling, like a friend of mine runs a threat detection cybersecurity company that's super early stage, his contract values are going to be in like the six figures and he's just starting out. So I wouldn't, advise him to start doing like Google ads and stuff like that. I would say get some direct sales, you know, hire a couple of people to generate that pipeline because these are going to be long sales cycles and high contract values. But if you're selling something more transactional, then the traditional digital advertising channels are going to be great. I would say also SEO builds a long time or SEO builds up over a long time. It's really hard to just like flip a switch and and start ranking unless you're in a very uncompetitive industry. Start early on that and get an understanding of what you need to do to get to the front page because it's more defensible once you're there. And also it's going to take you years to build it up anyways. So the earlier you start, the better. Great advice. Following up the, the point you made about attribution analytics, which is one of the things, you know, when I speak with, with marketers and SaaS and other industries, you know, from the small companies just launching, even to the big ones, people are struggling with that. What would you recommend as, you know, the tools or, or, or the software that that's the best to help? You know, it might be different for a small company starting off with a more limited budget. 
compared to you know a larger, more enterprise-oriented tools that might be a lot more expensive in the industry. Um, mm -hmm. What are your favorites and what are your recommendations? So I think if you are spending anywhere anywhere north of ten thousand dollars a month on digital advertising, um, it's probably worth it to invest in Visible and. To me, it's almost crazy that there are any B2B SaaS companies that have raised a Series A round that don't have Visible because I just don't know how else you're tracking stuff, really. Like I know HubSpot, I think, has some multi-touch attribution built in, but something like Visible, and I'm not as familiar with that space as I used to be. I know that there's a new comp newish company called Attribution app, which may or may not be good. Uh, I believe Caliber Mind has some functionality, but the great thing about Visible is that it's a tracking pixel and it allows you to really granularly report on ad performance within Salesforce and tying all of the engagement metrics to ROI essentially. So I can go into Salesforce and I can look at how different AdWords groups perform from a revenue standpoint, which is pretty difficult to get otherwise. Yeah. The other really helpful thing about it is that it tracks pre and post conversion activity and combines them. All of that activity that someone's doing on your website, like visiting your pricing page, visiting your product page and then let's say they read an ebook a week later and then they do a bunch of stuff after they read the ebook all of that is still tracked which i think is super beneficial it's funny because like if you talk to a visible sales rep probably the thing that they'll talk about is like oh you can do w-shaped attribution and u-shaped attribution and all these other things but yeah. that to me is very secondary to just being able to effectively track what people are doing. Jump into the lightning round. Five uh, quick questions, and then we will wrap it up. So first question is, are you single, married, and do you have kids? I am single. Okay. What book would you recommend that our listeners read? Be a business book, be a fiction book, doesn't matter. Business book, I'm a huge fan of Crossing the Chasm. My backgrounds in product marketing. And I think for a lot of early stage startups, the biggest thing they can do is hone in on a profitable segment and crossing the chasm teaches you how to do that really well. Kind of goes into the psychology of like how different people adopt and buy. From a personal book, there's a book called Barking Up the Wrong Tree, which I'm a huge fan of, which is basically like a, a meta analysis of a bunch of research spanning like business relationships, brain health, mental health, stuff like that in a very consumable way. Like here's what the research says to live the best life possible. Awesome. What's your favorite marketing or productivity tool? I'm a huge fan of Coda. That's C-O-D-A, D as in dog, uh, Coda.io. It's kind of like a spreadsheet on steroids. It's similar to Airtable. It's really good to just like, like when I've or orchestrated or launched big products or like when I did a rebrand at my last company, it's the best way to keep your team organized as far as I can tell and like track all the different moving parts and people just build really cool stuff. Like their community is awesome and they've got some people who have built like wedding planning tables and like all sorts of cool stuff. So you can find them anything in there. Uh, who is your favorite marketer to learn from? You know, I have sort of a cop-out answer for that. I don't think there's one person. Okay. One, of the things that, one of the things that I've tried to do is always have a stable of mentors or people to learn from spanning a lot of different stuff. Mm -hmm. So I have a person that I talk to about like revenue ops. And I have a person I talk to about demand gen. I have a person I talk to about marketing ops. And I have a person I talk to about content. So like, I don't think there's one person. I think it's important. Like, No one can be good at every single one of those things, but I would like to be. I want to try to learn from the smartest person I know in each of those areas as much as possible. Love it. And last question, uh, what's your favorite website or online community to be learning at? 
I think recently I've, I've really enjoyed the demand curve community. They seem to have a really good grasp of like growth marketing and they seem to have probably the best content and community of people in that side of the world. Fantastic. And where can listeners go to learn a little bit more, more about you? Best way is probably on LinkedIn. I'm not a huge Twitter user. So okay. if you just look up uh, James Winter on LinkedIn, happy to connect. Fantastic. James, this has been awesome. I think our listeners are going to get a lot of great value out of this. And uh, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. All right. Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate it. Thank you. The SaaS Marketing Superstars podcast is brought to you by Xamarin Digital Marketing. If you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Thanks again for tuning in and keep on growing your SaaS.